Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. My name is Joseph Scrabbles and I'm joined by Alex Ander Simmons. That is correct. I thought you were just going to call me Alex Simmons. No middle name, just Ander. Have you got, oh, right. Have you actually not got a middle name? No, I don't know. My grandpa didn't have a middle name either. What's that about? I don't know. <laughs> Alexander Get is, a middle name. Alexander is enough of a mouthful, right? That's fair. Would you choose a, choose a middle name right now? What would you have? Well, if I was going to be a girl, apparently I was going to be Karen. Oh, I'd love you to be Alexander Karen Simmons. That'd be wicked. And of course, Matthew Perslow. Hello. How are you, you Matthew? Uh, I am Matthew. Yeah, Matthew Roberts. You haven't, you haven't got one of those uh, those pervert parents who give them their children a, a shorter version of an existing name no, as no. their full name. I was very. My name was chosen because it's easy. Because my parents are. <laughs> Brian and Elizabeth, but Brian spelt with a Y and Elizabeth spelt with an S. Oh, and wow. And so they got wow. so pissed off with obviously having their name spelt incorrectly, they chose... My, so I'm Matthew and my sister is Emily. The most plain possible mm. names that you could get. My grandparents are called... E- well, one of them was is dead, but he was called Joseph and there was another, and his wife was called e- is called Edith. She's alive. I'm confused about my own living <laughs> relatives. Um Edith and Joseph, but neither of them went by their first names, so they were Phyllis and Tony, which was weird because people would come to their door and say, are Edith and Joseph in? They'd be like, no. Oh, wait, yeah, that's us. Like, they killed the people in the house. Is, were, were they their middle names? Yeah, they were their middle names. Right, so Charlotte's it's, it's dad, weird my that, wife's dad, is, does exactly the same thing. But I was named after my grandpa, his first name, which he hated. Which is so weird. <laughs> like I've, I've never fully understood why they were like, yeah, call him Joe because his grandpa fucking hates it. <laughs> it was a really odd decision from my parents. I mean, I like it in retrospect. But yeah, the reason I said the Matt Ma- I don't know why we're talking about this. I'm bored. Um, the, uh, the Matt Matthew thing. There was a guy at my school who was just called Joe, and I always thought that was disgusting. Really? Give him the proper name. Anyway, video <laughs> games. <laughs> Some remember things those? have been happening a little bit, um, a little bit. Yeah, we've got some actually really good stuff happening. Some this big week. stuff happened this week. Yeah, you, you've literally just watched the Ghost of Tsushima Sony State of Play. I have, and uh, so I, I was pretty lukewarm on it before because yeah. I don't, I'm not that into samurais, which I know everybody's like, uh-huh. everybody loves samurais. <laughs> that is the I'm noise like, I make. Oh, I don't really care. Um, and I also, from what I'd seen, I thought it was going to be a much more kind of uh, point A to point B adventure, whereas mm. this looks, uh, I saw a few people mention the word Breath of the Wild, I'm not, mm. not going to say it's going to be that good, but it at least feels like, uh, well, I thought Assassin's Creed was a, a closer touch point for me, and I, I thought it looked really good. Yeah, I'm like, I was exactly the same, I was kind of like... I like samurai stuff, and I was interested enough in it, but watching this demo really sold the concept to me. Like The Assassin's Creed stuff sticks out because like, some of that stuff, I'm playing replaying Odyssey at the moment. Yeah. Some of the the visual cues in that demo are literally exactly the same. Like yeah. the enemy vision indicator, grabbing uh, bamboo while you're on the horse walking by and that kind of stuff. That's in Odyssey. Yeah. Um, but the Breath of the Wild touch points for me are just like, that slight hands-offiness, uh, like the guiding wind thing is obviously a very sort of fun in-universe way of getting you around that island. If yeah. you haven't seen it, uh, to explain, you can just, if you can set a waypoint and then the wind will blow towards it, which is a very nice thing. Um, and like those kind of little in-universe things like birds leading you to treasure and foxes leading you to shrines and that feels very zeldery to me. Uh, and then those shots of him standing on top of a mountain looking over a giant landscape that you can visit is fucking Breath of the Wild. Yes. So, yeah. um, And I'm kind of into the idea of a sad, gory Breath of the Wild. 
like no one's really copied it yet. So I'm um, if it does that, into it. Welcome. And it's certainly yeah. very pretty. Like, yeah, it really is. Like I saw, I think it might have been Zach actually from our US team saying something about like why do we need next gen when we've got this kind of stuff? And obviously there was a screenshot of ghosts, but then also like the mafia screenshots that we're doing around look mm. insane. Um, and and obviously we'll talk about the Unreal Tech demo later, but like you can see that this generation has found, finally found its kind of footsteps in terms of what it's able to deliver, and it's you know it's, Quite, it's well, incredible. Quite soon, I've got a feature going up because I've mentioned on here before. I'm a bit obsessed with the tracksuit jacket that the character Yegor wears <laughs> in Call of Duty Warzone, and uh, at some point, my friend Tamor said. Why don't you just go to Activision and ask them about Yegor's jacket? So I did that, and now I've got a whole feature about it. <laughs> um, but it kind of centers around the fact that, like, we are at it, it always happens, but we are at this point where people are wringing so much more than we ever thought was possible out of these machines. Yeah. Like, it's bizarre. I, I went and looked back, even actually with regard to the Unreal demo, which again we'll talk about later, but you pointed out that Unreal 4. Uh, tech demo i remember watching that at the time and being like what a joke like there's no way this is ever happening it looks kind of shit like there's bits in that where it's like this looks rubbish (laughs) um and that's what we've been using for the past Mm -hmm. eight years we well that's what we've been using for the last (laughs) eight years to make all our video games (laughs) i love those games from scrabble studios they're great looks i've got a lot of notes on my phone that if anyone ever looked at it after i died they'd become an instant millionaire if they had talent um sadly i do not but yeah actually one thing i wanted to cover is i thought that state of play handled showing a gameplay demo probably better than i've ever seen anyone do it it's yeah. like, it was a good... I like that the, it was essentially split into the core gameplay sort of pillars that that game works around. And obviously the I found it quite interesting that it opened on the exploration stuff because that's not the immediate seller for a widest audience. I'm surprised mm. it didn't just open on swords and stuff like that. Yeah. The one thing, because I'm very much in the same boat as you, Al, where Samurai doesn't really do anything for me and I'm still... I think, like, in my soul, for lack of a better word, I'm still a bit lukewarm on this, even though I find lots of elements of it quite fascinating. I think one of the things that I really like is after it does all of the exploration stuff, which I thought was really cool, um, because I like that. It's slightly immersive simmy, isn't it? That whole, mm. like, just guide yourself through the world. But the way that it broke up action versus stealth, and this is a game where traditionally action, so if we're talking about Dishonored, Action is what gets you high chaos, and stealth is what gets you low chaos. Mm. Whereas this is a game that does it the other way around, where combat and being gory is like an honourable battle, and and that keeps you steadfast in the way of the samurai. Whereas doing it as an assassin is suggested that you're a bit of a bastard in the shadows, really. I can't work out if that's a systemic thing or not. Like They specifically refer to honourable combat, dishonourable stealth, Mm -hmm. and they talk about him turning into the ghost. Uh, as over the course of the game. So I don't know if it's like you are playing in a morality system or if that's just a you know a flavorful way of talking about those things. Like mm-hmm. I I don't know if either of you actually understood it more than I did. I can't work it out. So I could probably look it up. Yeah, I didn't see anything that suggested maybe morality and the one thing that sort of frustrates me about people that have played a bit of Dishonored and didn't really... and sort of jumped away from it because they felt the game was telling them to play a specific way. Dishonored actually doesn't shy away from... It's not right to play Dishonored to get the good ending by playing it non-lethally. The game actually adapts to how you play. So if you if you like playing it high chaos, it will actually throw more enemies at you and it allows you to do that. And it just means that... Yes, I think the first Dishonored made it more a case of at the end it was a little bit more sad. But That's the problem I had, is that Dishonored 1 felt like you narratively were punished for mm. playing that way. I think Whereas maybe... Dishonored 2 was way better at it. Yeah, like, I yeah. loved how that dealt with it. Yeah, Dishonored definitely is has a better approach to its narrative in terms of... But I think I come from a place that I don't mind if the ending is bad, if what the journey was right for what my role-playing character is, and especially in the mm. first Dishonored... Corvo is very, very angry, so it makes sense for him to have a high chaos playthrough. And the fact that Dunwall 
gets a bit ugly at the end of it is is part of his fault for following that path and so i don't mind that so i'm interested to see what ghost does is is the honor just as you say a flavorful element that might indicate the way that people treat you but doesn't cut opportunities off to you Mm. or is it a massive morality system which really dictates the way that the game plays out yeah it feels kind of like this whole marketing campaign for Ghost of Tsushima has been sort of hiding a certain amount about what the game actually is. And I do wonder if there's something we haven't seen yet. Um, because there are still questions after a 20-minute gameplay demo. Mm-hmm. And I find that really interesting, especially considering how close we are to it. And maybe they are just going like, well, we've got this cool game. We don't want to show it all because it's going to be the last PS4 exclusive. It's not going to be that far away. And realistically everyone who wants to buy it probably will Mm -hmm. um especially right now so yeah i do wonder if there's something like in there that they aren't showing off just because it'll be more of a surprise when we get to it and they've shown 20 minutes of it right that's more than we're getting from anywhere else so yeah that even knowing that is better than we're getting from certain other places Mm. yeah no yeah i think i would love for there to be more to it because like i say even that demo offered way more than I ever imagined from that game. And then to have some kind of surprise. Like, I will definitely be playing that game, whereas before I was in the, uh, I'll listen to what you guys have to say about it. I kind of um, whisper it, but I'm slightly more excited for it than Last of Us 2 now. Cause, really? Well, Last of Us 2 is just going to make me feel fucking terrible. <laughs> and like, I, as much as I think it's going to be an amazing game, I'm just going to play it and just be sad all the time. Whereas Ghost of Tsushima at least looks like I'll, you know, be sort of cool, swashbuckling man. Mm. Um, those those samurai films always are a bit sad, though, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, but sad in windy ways, not in like <laughs> they're like you know they're lost honor and uh, you know a, a sad mum shedding a single tear on a rice crop, <laughs> like the you know. I'd, I don't think it's going to involve, like, you know, what... Child torture and... (laughs) Yeah, like, people being hung and, you know, the degradation of the human spirit. Bit of (laughs) of Herzog, you know? Degradation. The one thing I did Um, love about Ghost as well is obviously the the black and white mode and then sort of full Japanese dialogue, which mm. is a really nice way to play that game. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I... Cards on the table, I'm never going to fucking do it. But congratulations <laughs> to everyone who wanted it. It's happened. Yeah. See, um, I'll, I'll, I'll play it in Japanese because I played Sekiro in Japanese as well. Like, mm. I feel mo- most of the time, and like, even I've, I don't watch a lot of anime or anything like that. But if I if I was to watch like a Studio Ghibli film, I'd watch it with the English dub because they normally get really good English yeah. actors in for it. But I feel these sort of games, especially because of the period they're set in, it, I quite like the authenticity of getting the Japanese dialogue. Yeah. That's, like, it's totally fair, it, like, I think. I, I'm, I'm very happy they've offered the mm-hmm. choice. Definitely, um, yeah. Especially from places an American studio, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's not like from software that dialogue already exists because it was exactly. made as a Japanese game. Yeah. It is super weird to see um, a Japanese track voice track where the lip sync is off because that's mm. all, it's always the other way around. So it's like, wait a second, what's going on here? <laughs> um, yeah, it's cool though. I'm really excited about it. Like, what a nice little treat, especially right now. I'm into it. Uh, that's the end of this gen. What about the start of the next gen? Because um, we got a look at the Unreal Tech demo, which was, you know, notionally running on a PS5. Yeah, I, you know, I've yet to see it. Prove it. Um, <laughs> you but, want them to uh, bring it around to your house? <laughs> give it. Well, this is the interesting thing, is this has seemingly been done for a while because it was meant to be playable at GDC, according yeah. to an interview they gave to us. So if I'd fucking been there, that would have been cool. I would have got to play a <laughs> PS5. Um, so I'm pretty pissed off with the whole pandemic thing. Uh, but uh, this... I think we so we got a, a copy of the video very slightly early, and so we had a big chat about it in our Slack group. And I think everyone was sort of pretty much into it as an idea. I, and I think the playable, I you know, the fact that it was clearly a played yeah. thing, yeah, really sells the concept a lot better than most tech demos. Yeah, it, definitely. It, it was interesting, right? Because 
well, through our responses to it, but then also looking through the comments when it eventually went live, there are some very cynical people out there. And I get that mm. this is like a benchmark as to what the games might look in a few years' time, not you know when the console launches at the end of this year. But I thought it looked absolutely incredible. It was the first thing that I've seen that made me feel like, well, actually, this is a proper generational leap forward. You know, from the lighting to the textures and, you know, even the things like the way that the game was set up, because, you know, one thing that I pointed out was when Mark Cerny did his chat, he was like, you'll no longer have to wait for, like, you know, a character to shimmy through a little crack Mm. and then a character shimmies through the crack. And my take on that was like, well, why is that in there? But, Joe, you were like, well, it's basically something that people can pin onto, but then also look at this nice jacket. Well, that's it. I think it's a familiarity thing. And it's, also, it's been confirmed now. There was I can't remember who was doing yeah. the interview, but yeah, it's it's not a loading screen. It is there for and like, visual. I, I know shimmying through a small space is like a trope now, Yeah, but it's something that can happen in real life when two surfaces are close to each other. <laughs> you can do a shimmy. They, no, they exist. I've shimmied like... through things. Have you? <laughs> yeah, between <When>? scaffolding. <laughs> <laughs> right. but like, um, if it was a gta game and then you could shimmy through the scaffolding i'd be fine with that but it just happens to be between but between two rocks we saw which are more likely to be closer together because we can't control geography than oh the actual scaffolding <laughs> we saw shimmying in ghost of Sh- in the ghost of tsushima demo and i'm pretty sure that's not sh- shimmy loading i think that was just there's some rocks here and i want to get in a cave like, I'm just saying, I want no shimmying in the next generation of games. Nothing, not I one I like that bit. you started off saying, people are very <laughs> cynical. And then you're questioning whether shimmying exists. The one thing. No, I'm not doing that at all. I'm just saying, uh, I just thought it was an odd choice to have that in there after Cerny's kind of uh, uh, chat a couple of months ago. I think it's probably unfortunate because I don't, I'm guessing they had that done quite a while before Mark Cerny was doing anything. Well, it would have both been at GDC, right? If that would have been the original plan. So maybe yeah. it was like that keynote of Cerny saying, no shimmying, went straight into Unreal 5. And it was like, <laughs> hang on a minute, what's going on there? <laughs> Tim Sweeney just losing his mind. Like, Fuck, we shimmied! <laughs> Pull the demo. Um, but, like, so where, do you think... I, I'm super interested whether we think games are going to look like this out of the box or whether it's going to... Like, when we see, say, Sony's launch lineup, if Horizon Zero Dawn 2 is there, is it going to look like that game? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> this is the... Inter- to me, <laughs> I, w- I do wonder if they're... The, the payoff of the playable element of this is that people might expect things to be playable and look like this mm-hmm. straight away. So I think one of the things that is vitally important to understand is that that tech demo, A, is built to show the extent of what Unreal can do. It's an aspirational and demonstrative... It's a demo, right? That's what it is. But it was also made by a group of people that were dedicated to that project for X amount of months to make it look as good as it can be. We have to remember that there are budgets in video game development and not all of that can go into putting X amount of million triangles into a set of statues that you might walk past twice. Mm. So we have to consider, like, I'm not saying that, I think there is going to be a quite clear leap, um, but I don't think we can expect that visual fidelity in every single aspect of games. Yeah, um, and also I don't. If Horizon is a launch game, I don't. I mean, this this engine isn't even out yet. It's twenty twenty one, right? Is that this? And I think let's say what. So what are we talking about? A generation, maybe seven years. I think mm. in seven years' time, if you look at the Unreal Four tech demo, it looks worse than God of War in certain mm. respects. Mm. So I think that you know, end of you know, a couple of years towards the end of the console life will be cool. What I think, yeah, yeah. What I think it does really demonstrate, though, is the power of what smaller developers can do. Because yep. an awful lot of the talk is about how we're cutting out big sections of the process. You can take scans and immediately just import them into the game, and the engine can help build those things out. I'm really excited about what... If you think of the developers that are under publishers like Focus and that yep. sort of tier thing, their games are potentially going to look 
like what AAA games do this gen. Well, like rather in- than Plague Tale Innocence looks amazing, and yeah. that's made by very few people. I would love to see what that that studio could do with a, a much easier tech. One super interesting part that didn't get mentioned very much as well is part of that announcement was Unreal saying, "If you use our engine." It is totally free for you to use until you make a million dollars on the game you use to build it with. So usually it was something like for every $3,000 or something you pay a share. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like, fuck it. We've got so much money that we only want to take money from you when you've got loads of money as well. Um, it's a cool way of doing things. I mean, it's probably another you know horrifying monopoly waiting to happen in the future. But for <laughs> right now, it's pretty cool. Um, I mean, I'm super interested to see, like you say, those smaller developers also able to just flex their muscles and go, fuck, we're going to get all the money for this. So we can put a bit more work into it. We can, you know, hire an extra person or Mm -hmm. something like that, you know? I think we're going to see a lot more. I was just about to say, it feels like the perfect opportunity for Joe to you get your little ideas book out and make a game in Unreal 5. It will look incredible. (laughs) I'll import some Quixel assets, some mega scans, <laughs> exactly all that shit. I'm going to have a three billion triangles in my game about <laughs> wizards fighting. <laughs> it's a pretty good uh, game idea for wizards fighting. By wizards the way. fighting, it? yeah, it's wizards oh. fighting. Is it Barry Lotter? Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I that don't know what like that a, means. Well, it's a bit like Harry Potter, whereas that looked a bit like. Oh, Tomb I Raider. see Barry Lotter. I thought that was like a an Italian word. <laughs> <laughs> Barlotta. You know, one of them. Too much of me. <laughs> uh, let's go back to this gen for a second, because uh, Matt, you've mm-hmm. been spending time in a war. <laughs> yeah, you you sent me out to the front lines, Joe. I know like, this is uh, as close as I, as I've ever been to an editor of a war correspondent. <laughs> it feels cool. <laughs> so, uh, if uh, if any of if anybody plays GTA Online, you might have noticed that you've been beaten up by a few guys dressed as aliens recently. <laughs> That's because there is a bizarre cult-like community war going on in GTA Online at the moment. And so I decided to have a little poke around and see what I could find and have now written up a fairly comprehensive like from-the-front-lines report, which you can find on IGN.com at the moment, and we're working on a video version of it. Um, yeah, it's bizarre. So basically... It's weird because trying to find the start point of it has been hard. And like, even after I've published it, I'm finding stuff that like was happening even before the war kicked off Mm. that hint that I think basically dressing up as aliens and hitting people has been something that people have been doing in GTA since those costumes turned up. It's a rich tradition. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But basically, I think it's 29 days ago now when I was looking on when the Reddit post was in. So about a month ago, a guy... And his mates dressed up in alien suits and went and just beat the shit out of a guy on the on the Los Santos Pier. And that <laughs> video currently has 28,000 uproads on Reddit mm-hmm. and seems to have taken what is just like this little fun thing that people would do and has turned it now into this massive thing that everybody wants a part of mm. because they've seen this Reddit video. And they were dressed in the green alien bodysuits that came in with the arena war update Mm -hmm. and so everybody else has started going out and buying those and just grouping up together and beating the crap out of players that are just trying to mind their own business they're not an insignificant amount of money in that game originally either like so three hundred thousand in game dollars or something yeah and they're back at that now they were free for a week and that week ended on thursday yeah they went because me and jesse were playing it the other day and i was like yeah you don't need any money just go and go to the shop and it's like no they're charging again so I bastards. think they did it because it was it was the previous Thursday that I found out that they dropped them. So I think they did it for a week. Mm. Right. But if you do log in at the moment, any time in May, they're giving you five hundred grand. Um, so that's enough to buy one of the suits. Legends. It will mean though that you have to make a choice because now there are two alien factions: there's oh, yeah. the green aliens and there's the purple aliens. Because at some point. A bunch of people didn't like that the green aliens were beating the shit out of random players, so they dressed up as purple aliens and basically decided to be the Avengers and turn up and save people from beating the crap out of by green aliens. Mm -hmm. That all seems to have sort of simmered away now, and it's just a big melting pot of 
If you're purple, you beat the crap out of green aliens. And if you're green aliens, you beat the crap out of purple aliens and anything else that you see. Yeah. Um, so that has escalated. It has become one of the biggest elements of the GTA Online subreddit. So much so people were getting pissed off that they created new subreddits dedicated to them to try and stem the flow. And now people are all just a bit, God, this has been going on, hasn't it? Let's call a final battle. <laughs> and then it can all, we can get all the pent up rage out, beat the crap out of aliens, and then it's done. I love that they're doing it at an airport as well, like Civil War. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. It's it's the end of Captain America Civil War. I, <laughs> I sort of really want, because Jesse's editing our video version of it, I sort of want him to do the Civil War stuff and just put green alien and purple alien heads on them. Um, but so yeah. The war it, is tonight, right? Friday. It is. Well, so, what, Saturday morning for us? For us, 1 yeah. So, 1 a.m., yeah, because it's 8 p.m. Eastern time that they've called it. Yeah. I'm fairly sure probably because people are impatient and mostly this is a bunch of kids that are stuck at home because they can't go to school playing GTA. Yeah. Fairly sure if you just logged on now and went to the uh, to the Los Santos International Airport, you'd find a bunch of people being... Have a lovely big scrap. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the official start of the final battle of the war is, is tonight at, at Eastern Time. So if you want to beat some people up, Go and do that. There is some rules. Can only use melee. Mm-hmm. Ideally, the baseball bat. I have you. I've been using the baseball bat on my occasional ventures. Has a very satisfying whack when you hit people <laughs> on the head. Are you green um, or purple? So I have been swapping sides to get both perspectives. Ah. Turns out there's not really any perspective there. Mm-hmm. They are just people beating the crap out of each other. Um, and it's easier to find greens than it is purples. The purples are definitely outnumbered in this battle. Right? Didn't um, you? Didn't you say uh, that there's also a man in black faction now? Yeah. So the people, obviously, because this has caused such a rift in the community, and there are just people like, I just want to play it, and I don't want to get beaten up by aliens. So they've started buying suits, and because turns out I haven't played GTA Online for quite a while, so coming in was just like walking into a brave new world Mm. turns out there's like loads of laser guns in it now so all the men in black people are using there's a tiny gun that i guess looks a little bit like is it the the tiny cricket the gun from the first yeah yeah yeah. um and that causes a 1950 style ray gun wave to come out of it and blow people (laughs) back over like bowl them over cars and stuff like that so yeah there's the men in black there's then the space rangers faction which is (laughs) You know how in GTA there's a TV show yep. that's basically Buzz Lightyear? Right. You can buy that suit in game, so people are playing in that. Then there's the Hazmat Gang. There's the Monkey Gang. <laughs> there are all of these little factions. If you can buy a suit, there's a faction dedicated right. to it. And yeah, so they are... Now one of the movements on the subreddit is all of those people want to come together and work together as a unit to destroy the aliens in the mm-hmm. final battle. It's... How is it actually going to end? Because with GTA, obviously, you die, you respawn. Yeah. At what point is it just until people get bored? Almost certainly. And the other thing is, is this this is not the final battle, right? Nobody no. is going to give up. If, if We're all still stuck in quarantine. If the thing that you like doing is beating the crap out of players with a baseball bat while dressed as an alien, you're going to still be doing it after today. Yeah. But the fact that... I find it interesting that someone had obviously... Because I haven't been able to track it back to find out who first declared the final battle. Mm. There's so much noise of it on Reddit, it's just impossible to try and find that original source. Because it's not like... With the start of this, it was quite easy to find the start point because the video that was made by a guy called Adam has got 28,000 upvotes. It was quite easy to find that among the noise and... In all the in all the the threads that are under it, you can see people going, "I can't believe this created what we've got now." So that is quite obviously the start point. There's not a, a post that I can find with the same amount of upvotes about let's just stop it. It's right. just become there are just dozens of posts talking about the war that you know the final battle that will end on yeah. on May fifteenth. Mm. And when we put out our, our the article that I wrote. I noticed in the tweets, lots of people typing 5 slash 15. That was just their comments because 515 is is the, the final battle, That's right? It. 15th of May. 
so people know about it it is a, a big deal but yeah i don't see it actually being the end i think it's their their big shining star among a wider cultural rift there were a lot of people in the comments kind of you know pinning their allegiances as well whether it's to green mm. or to purple or to men in black um yeah which so as you say you know it's it's definitely a thing that i had no idea was happening until you happened to kind of mention it a couple of weeks ago <laughs> Well, well, yeah, I I noticed the, it, but Joe was the guy that put me onto it. But this is but this is also this came from uh, our publisher John because he came and he was like, "My son's really into this green versus purple thing. What's that?" And I was like, "I don't know what the fuck you're talking about." <laughs> and like, it turns out it's just yeah, like you say, it's kids. Like it's yeah. this like organized fun that kids off of school who absolutely probably shouldn't be playing GTA. I was just about to say that <laughs> are all are all doing together. I fucking love that. Like, what... Obviously, aside from the slight moral issues of playing GTA online as a, you know, under 18, that aside, what a brilliant way to spend your time to just be like, we're going to organise a thing that shouldn't be in this game. We're going to jerry-rig a game to turn it into a narrative Mm -hmm. that we want to make while we're all stuck at home. I think that's fucking wicked. That's such a cool little... It's like the grandest version of those GTA roleplay servers where everyone pretends to be paramedics and shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh, so there are people pretending to be police in this. Me and Jesse, when we were playing for Capture yesterday, got chased down by a man dressed as a police officer with a taser. And he was (laughs) tasing people, anyone that was dressed as an alien, (laughs) who would tase them. Um, But there is, as you say, Joe, there is a heartwarming element to this. It's a bunch of kids that are locked up that can't go and see their friends. So as part of this, I spoke to weird this is the weird depths of this one i spoke to a tiktok influencer yeah who originally so his main job is he's part of the blockchain industry as an analyst and trader and he had and he set up a tiktok and he's got he's not a huge influence he's not got a million followers but he's got hundreds of thousands of followers and originally he was doing like advice on tech and what like consoles to buy or what headphones to get and those kind of things and then he's so he partially owns an esports team, and yeah, so the, these are things that didn't even make it into the article because wow. there was just too much. I had to selectively pick, mm. but this is the the director's cut version of the article. Um, he he partially owns an esports team, and the leader of that esports team said to him, "You should check out GTA. I reckon the people on TikTok would be well into that." Turns out, people on TikTok are well into the GTA Alien War. So he started doing updates on it. He doesn't even really play GTA, and he just got into it because he was suggested to. And he's had this huge leap in followers, and now just has kids asking him all the time to play GTA with him. Weird. Um, so and he was saying to about, camera talking about it. Yeah, yeah, and he, he'll just be like, he reads basically 4chan and Reddit all the time, and then just when right. things are changing, he does what is TikTok like a seven second update on mm. what's going on. Oh no, well TikTok's a minute, but oh, can you have a minute? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but, I, I I'm not as au fait with it as I was with Vine. That's fine, um, but, <laughs> but I mean, it's you know, not a long time to yeah. talk mm-hmm. about alien updates. Yeah, um, and so yeah, but one of the things that he was saying to me was is just the idea of you can get quite famous through TikTok with clips of this, and suddenly there are kids that maybe didn't have anybody to play with that have done something funny in GTA, and now they've got loads of people on TikTok asking them, let's join up and beat some aliens up that's co- that's weirdly heartwarming yeah, yeah i think yeah. it's cool i'm into it uh there is a part of me that really wants to be in the alien war but also i'm gonna go to bed so <laughs> that's it that's, that's what we've got jesse also i'd have to reinstall gta and it would take forever so yeah. i can't really be asked i'm very glad that you got into it though it's really fun it's cool it was fun watching you come back every so often and just be like, I've met a TikTok influencer. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Strangest uh, job I've ever had. Yeah. Um, just a short thing. We've talked about it before. Did either of you play What the Golf when it came out on Apple Arcade? No. no. It's coming uh, it out on Switch. Game. Yeah. It's um, it's coming out on Switch soon, and I've been playing it on Switch, and it is fucking amazing. It is so funny for a game that's ultimately just a very simple golf game. Like, do you know what? Do you know the concept of it? No, it's like each course is basically a comedy skit, isn't it? Well, so it's like it starts off and it's like hit the ball. You don't even have to get it in a hole. It's just hit the ball at a flag, and you hit the ball at a flag, and then in the next one, 
you go to hit the ball and instead of the ball, the club flies off and that hits the flag and you're like, you win. And you learn that basically all you're trying to do is to get something to a flag in every level. But the ways it deals with that are completely different. And part of it, I don't want to go into too many of the mechanics because it's usually the surprise of it. But the the first time you really get the surprise of it is it goes into 3D and you have a little guy with a club and you pull back and you're like, right, it's time to hit the ball. This is going to be a 3D one. That's the change. And then the man just flies off and you have to just pilot the man into the flag. And it just keeps getting stupider and stupider with those ideas and like introducing more and more different mechanics and more and more different ways to think about what fucking golf could be. Because um, I think the over there's obviously almost no story, but you appear to be going through a lab where they're trying to make golf not boring. Um, <laughs> and like, it's just fucking funny like it's it's a really interesting apart from being a fun game it's a really interesting like little experiment into how do you make a comedy game where the jokes aren't words the jokes are just things that you do on screen and like i've never really played a game like that before where that's the the punchline is the game itself yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's really cool it's a great idea like i very much recommend if you haven't i don't have an iphone so i couldn't play it um, the fact that it's come to Switch is very nice indeed. And there seems to be quite a lot of it. Like, every every hole has a basic version, then a challenge, and then, like, a third take on it, which is just marked by a crown, but it's kind of like the ultimate stupid version of that course. Um, it's really good. It's just a, an extremely fun little thing. Um, and is that out really now? enjoying it. Uh, I think it's out next week. Okay. It might be the 20... 20- mm. I'm going to say the 21st, but I might be completely wrong. Um, Stick, just go with it. Sounds good to but me. But yeah, I'm allowed to talk about it. There's no embargo. It's fine. Um, so that's all good. Uh, that's that's my What the Golf report. Uh, to finish up, have either of you watched any Hollywood on Netflix? Well, no, because I said, what's Hollywood? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's the new uh, Ryan Murphy, as in American Horror Story, American Crime Story, all American character TV um creator and it's him doing a story set in 1940s hollywood but it's very obvious early on that it's sort of an alternate history so it's like telling you an authentic story in as much as all the filmmaking is the same and that kind of stuff but the the studio and the film they're making is completely fake and the story they're telling around it which is based a lot in discrimination at that time. So being gay, being uh, like black or Asian, uh, like these ideas of like how race played into Hollywood and how they people were just funneled into certain ideas of what you could be at that time and trying to break out of that are like played with a lot. There's obviously loads of sex because Ryan, Mur- Ryan Murphy is well horny all the time. Um, <laughs> but the weirdest stuff it does is like, all these people are based on real people, but not quite real people. And the movies are all seemingly based on real movies, but not quite the real movies. But then certain characters just are real people. So, like, Rock Hudson is a major character in it, who was... I Actually, I don't know whether it was ever confirmed that he was closeted, but he the, the going at least the going concern is that he was gay and had to keep that under wraps. But in this, he doesn't. So it's just right. like a real person where they're just going, by the way, he's completely different in what he's doing in this world. And it's like, it's really hard to wrap your head around. Like, I can't tell whether it's telling me a history story or trying to tell me a version of a history story or trying to do a more optimistic version of history. Right. And it never really decides. It's quite <laughs> odd, but it's like, it's a good watch because you're just going, I don't know, like, if any of this is real and then i was going on wikipedia and being like is this movie real is this person real did any of this happen (laughs) it's like quite a fun little puzzle to put together but at the same time because it's a ryan murphy show the fucking plot doesn't make sense at any point people do things for no reason at all um it feels like entire episodes are missing occasionally because you're just like wait a second those two are together and they're like getting (laughs) married like last week they didn't know each other um and then you've got all this sort of he's got this incredibly like flamboyant approach to occasionally it will act as if it's 
a Hollywood 40s movie out of nowhere. Like, people giving little salutes and, like, <laughs> like being really kind of over the top in the dialogue. And you're like, I can't tell whether this is, like, a dream or what's going on. It's really bizarre. I mean, that's very much like... Cause- Ryan Murphy did Glee, and yeah. Glee could never decide whether it was actual musical theatre or whether it was just a, a school drama mm. where people were. And that would do this thing where the some of the numbers would just be kids on stage. And you're like, yeah. okay, so it is set in a school. And then numbers would just turn into, like, lights would turn on and dancers would come in. You're like, where did all this come from? Because yeah. 20 minutes ago, this was a, in inverted commas, grounded musical drama and now it's not now it is full in the sky yeah Uh, yeah he's he's got i sort of like his style but it's very difficult to understand where it's you know the rods are that hold it up it feels like no obvious skeleton it feels like it's just made based on his mood that day he's just come in like today i feel like making this into a 40s prestige drama (laughs) the next day it's like loads of let's have them fuck as I've loads of fucking, um, it's like it's seven episodes long. It's nice and self-contained. It doesn't feel like if they're gonna do if they are gonna do another series, it probably hopefully be an anthology thing. Like I'd love to see him do New Hollywood, like The Graduate, Dustin Hoffman, all those mm-hmm. like weirdo directors who popped up out of nowhere. That would be really fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's bizarre. Like it's I would. Probably never have watched it if it wasn't for the current circumstances, but I'm glad I did it because it's it's a really strange little project. I like that. It's fun. I can't I can't even tell if you're recommending it though. That's the weird thing. <laughs> I kind of am and kind of aren't. Like it's there's there were entire swathes of it where I was just like, This is fucking ridiculous and then there's but I came out of it going, That's fun. That's <laughs> enjoyable. Which I think is kind of all of I watched three series of American Horror Story and feel basically the same about all of that. Right. But you're just like, there's loads of stuff to enjoy. I don't know if it's made by a sane person with an <laughs> idea of how a story should be told, but good on him. Like, he's made a career of it. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I I kind of expected it to be more American crime story, and it was actually more American horror story, which is odd. Right. But there you go. Uh, there you, go. you know what else is a strange project? The Endless Search. Bye! Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and the ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it in the search? This week's endless search entry comes from Jamie Martin, a man who I see very often on the Duck Hunters Facebook group. Uh, he founded is... it. That's why. Yeah, oh, did he? Yeah. I did not know that. I believe Congrats. He's uh, the mega admin. Is he? Yeah. The king. He could have you killed very easily. And he probably <laughs> will. Uh, this is Portmanteau Overwatch Movie Edition. It says, hey, hey, you beautiful boys. I've written up another round of Portmanteau Overwatch, this time using movie titles. If you need a refresher on the premise, you mash up two movie titles and then guess that title from the blended synopsis. For example... In 2035, Will Smith answers a villager's request for protection after he falls on hard times. The town needs protection from androids, so he gathers six others to help him teach the people how to defend themselves. The answer, seven samurai robot. Get it? I am going to be no good at this. I can tell you already. Have you never done Portman Overwatch before? We've played it a few times. All right. Well, it's going to be exciting. Let's do it. Getting a a pencil and paper out ready. I haven't... (laughs) checked all of these so let's find out i think there's 10 uh right is it does it go from one person to the next or do we have to buzz in buzz in scream it (laughs) but not too loud because you'll clip and then it will sound bad okay a former neo-nazi skinhead leads a band of super-powered genetic mutants to prevent his american history x-men yes (laughs) i actually got that one (laughs) to prevent his younger brother from going down the same wrong path he did uh, I've watched American History X three times, and I don't know why I watched it three times, because it always makes me feel terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in 1980s Miami, an FBI agent undergoes surgery to impersonate and get hold of his son's killer, a determined Cuban immigrant with a penchant for the white stuff. 
but trouble brews when the impersonation is reciprocated. Scar face off. Yes. Oh, I was... <laughs> We were in exactly the same situation in the last one, but I didn't get to it quick enough. <laughs> uh, by the way, obviously we're on a delay here. Just for ease, I'm going to go with whoever I hear says it first, by the way. I don't okay, want any yeah, arguments about it. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. In this quirky comedy with a 17-actor ensemble cast, a writer encounters the owner of an ageing monster hotel who tells the story of his daughter's 118th birthday and the arrival of a young human boy. Oh, is that it? Oh, that's it? Yeah. I've got... Well, I know what the one film is. Mm-hmm. I need the other one. <laughs> Can you go through it again? In this quirky comedy with a 17-actor ensemble cast, a writer encounters the a- the owner of an ageing monster hotel who tells the story of his daughter's 118th birthday and the arrival of a young human boy. <sighs> God... I have no idea. I would say no, Monster I... Hotel is the most <laughs> powerful clue <laughs> as to the second part. Um, oh. No, I to think out loud, I know it's the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. I know that's Hotel what the base is. Grand yeah, Budapest the Grand Budapest Hotel, Hotel oh, Transylvania. <laughs> which I, I knew Hotel watch. Transylvania, but not the first right. one. <laughs> I would watch that immediately. You should never think out loud, out loud Matthew. It's a danger. I can't take a point for that. I, I You have. So oh, there right. you go. 2 1. I'm sorry, Matt. That's the joke <laughs> that's, that's right. given me that. It was a game of chicken. Uh, right. <laughs> After being kidnapped and imprisoned for 12 years, watch the joys and pitfalls of growing up through the eyes of a child, from family meals, road trips, birthday parties and graduations, to murder, conspiracies, betrayal and forbidden love. Not not a clue in the slightest. One more time. After being kidnapped and imprisoned for 12 years... Watch the joys and pitfalls of growing up through the eyes of a child, from family meals, road trips, birthday parties and graduations, to murder, conspiracies, betrayal and forbidden love. I have no idea. The two key parts, I would say, are kidnapped and imprisoned, and Mm -hmm. 12 years. Mm. Excuse my clicking. I don't know. Like I can, I'm guessing at one of the films. But if I do that, I might give Matt the point. You see, exactly. Yeah. See, I've got two films, but I can't. I can't fit them together. I don't. So I don't. One of them at least is wrong, if not both. <laughs> Go on. What's the answer? Yeah. Old Boyhood. Oh, I, I wouldn't have got it anyway. Uh, I thought it was probably <laughs> a slave. So. I thought it was yeah. Jamie. I thought it was very smart. <laughs> this is my favourite answer of all of them. I think. Yeah, probably. After discovering a mysterious artefact buried beneath the lunar surface, a jockey with a history of injuries and a down-and-out horse trainer team up with a temperamental, undersized racehorse and set off on a quest to find the artefact's origins. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think this is brilliant. Uh... Oh my god. No. Want one more? Yeah. After discovering a mysterious artifact buried beneath the lunar surface, a jockey with a history of injuries and a down and out horse trainer team up with a temperamental, undersized racehorse and set off on a quest to find the artifact's origins. I, I can't even think what either of those films is. No. Go on. 2001 A Space Odyssey Biscuit. <laughs> oh so I, I did think Seabiscuit shamefully didn't get the 2001 How did you right. not get that? 2001 A Space Odyssey Biscuit is so good. I would watch it. It's a big horse booting over a monolith. Uh, next, what are we on then? Uh, it's 2-1 to, uh, to Al mm-hmm. still. 
A software engineer is tired of his boring job and makes a vengeful plan with his trusty half-man, half-dog to rescue a princess in this cult send-up of a sci-fi classic that satirises working life. Go through it again. A software engineer is tired of his boring job and makes a vengeful plan with his trusty half-man, half-dog to rescue a princess in this cult send-up of a sci-fi classic that satirises working life. I've got an alternative film, but it's not the answer to this. (laughs) Odd. Do you want me to tell you what uh, uh, I had, Dan? Yeah? Teen Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) 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 Just because it's half man, half dog. (laughs) I I guess there's a logic there. Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. No points, but congratulations. No. Thanks. A no. software engineer tired of their boring job making a vengeful plan? Is that X Machina? No, mate. No. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no? Oh. No. Office space balls. Oh. You don't react well enough to this. You should be going, <laughs> oh, curses. I've never watched Office Space or Spaceballs. Really? So. Office no. Space is great. Spaceballs, I like, but I don't know if it holds up. I'll probably get a load of shit for that. Never mind. It's been a uh, long time since I've seen that film. Jamie says, the following ones I honestly can't remember if I've sent them before or not. They've been sat in my phone notes for ages. I don't ha- I don't think I have, so if you want some more, or you want to get <laughs> want some more, then here you go. All right, let's do some more. This movie tells the story of an aspiring actress and a towering kaiju from the depths of the ocean who are struggling to make ends meet in a city known for crushing hopes and breaking hearts. Um. Again, I think I've got one no. film, but I don't know what the connection is. I don't know what the other film is. I feel like one is quite easy. Yes. Yeah. That's almost <laughs> certainly Pacific Rim, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is it not? The kai- is the kaiju stuff not Pacific Rim? No! Oh, well, I, I A towering kaiju you, from the depths of the ocean. Okay. Boys. You know what that is, surely. Yes. Godzilla. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> this movie tells the story of an aspiring actress and a towering kaiju from the depths of the o- ocean who are struggling to make ends meet in a city known for crushing hopes and breaking hearts. Godzilla story, LA story. Oh, so close. <laughs> Not quite. Godzilla <laughs> confidential? No. <laughs> oh. Imagine Godzilla playing jazz piano. Oh, uh, Godzilla, oh, Godzilla La, 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 La Land. Right, you said it at the same time for me. Neither of you getting the point, but well done, you got there. I just want us to get one. <laughs> Nicholas Cage dons... Is that... Wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nicholas Cage dons a black suit and travels to a secluded island in search of a missing girl. Once there, he proceeds to kick the shit out of every man, woman and bee that gets in his way. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Nicholas Cage dons a black suit and travels to a secluded island in search of a missing girl. Once there, he proceeds to kick the shit out of every man, woman, and bee that gets in his way. It's not actually that different to the original Nicolas Cage film. He does kick the shit out of people in that. Does he kick the shit out of a bee in the original film? Uh, he shouts at him. He shouts <laughs> at the bees. Um. So, yeah, so I've got that film. Yeah. Bl- yeah black suit, sort of- kicking the shit out of stuff. Um, are they both Nicolas Cage films? They are not. Right. The the John Wicker man. John Wicker man. <laughs> He's done it. Okay. Fair play. Uh, so that's two all. Bloody hell. Uh, <laughs> George Bailey gets stuck on a lifeboat in the ocean. Just when he thinks he should give up, he is visited by a tiger who shows him what the world would be like without him. <laughs> I'm disappointed in both. Say, say, Life of Pi is one of yeah. them, right? Life of Pi yeah. is one of them. Yeah. George Bailey getting He's shown George what Bailey. the world would be like without him. 
I can't believe I'm just explaining these to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, it's a wonderful party. Come on, you have to. They have to connect. It's a wonderful life of pie. Wonderful life of pie. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's a wonderful pie. <laughs> Jesus it's what he might have said if he went to the double R. <laughs> We're so bad at this game. We're not even doing the game anymore. We're just saying things. Wonderful. <laughs> 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 oh, fucking hell! There you go. I'm doing one more because I'm pretty sure one of these you're not going to get. Okay. Because I think I don't know if any of us have seen it. We can talk about it afterwards. But I'm going to do this one. When the Joker unleashes zombies on Gotham City, our caped crusader barricades himself in a rural house trying to survive until dawn. Was that just total... I thought I'd cut out. No, no, no. no, It's it's my brain working very slowly. Oh, my God. We're never playing this again. No. Well, maybe not. I mean, you might want to play it with someone else. Yeah. No. It just it's clearly. You started so well. I know. How are you getting Scarface said... off and not this? Well, maybe I've not seen him. When you've definitely seen at least one, and the other is very famous. When oh, the Joker go. unleashes zombies on Gotham City, our Cape Crusader barricades himself in a rural house trying to survive until dawn. Well, so I know what one of them is. It's the the Batman one I'm trying to figure out. Really? Yeah. So it's the other one... I'm not going to say... Dark of the then... Living Dead. Yes, there he goes. <laughs> there we go. That's a win. That's 3-2. Uh, was that <laughs> well, painful? That was... It hurt. <laughs> <laughs> We're meant to be experts. We're going to sell some idiots! <laughs> I, you know just... I despise these games. <laughs> It genuinely Aww. makes me feel anxious. Jamie, I thought that was fantastic. I apologise for my colleagues. <laughs> you can send in some more. We'll pr- I promise <laughs> I won't ever play with these two again. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> right, should we do some feedback? Uh, yes. Uh, I've got a piece of feedback from Al. It's weird, isn't it? I know. Uh, who says, just a quick email, RE food combos, which I assume is something you've We've been discussing, previously. yeah, your bizarre food combos. Okay. That you enjoy. Uh, so, this is weird. Yeah. McCoy's ready salted crisps dipped in melted down Yorkie bars, which have then been put in the fridge to harden. No. How do you even well, get to No. That? I mean, that's full on, but I will say... There aren't there. There are those crisps that come dipped in chocolate. He's essentially recreating. Yeah, and that's the reason why we're in this mess. God <laughs> is angry. <laughs> He's he has essentially recreated a real dish. But McCoy's so not I don't seen know about the ruffles. I've not seen crisps in chocolate. Obviously, you know, savoury biscuits, but crisps. Mm. I don't know. Chocolate and salt is probably fine. Also. What he is dubbing the secret sandwich. This sounds oh disgusting. Thick, cheap white bread. I'm a fan of that. Margarine, yeah. always butter, never margarine. Yeah. With bourbon biscuits inside. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> what? A sandwich is in a sandwich. And so apparently he first learned to make this when he was eight, and his mum had gone to work, so he was at home. He's made whatever he had in the cupboard. Sorry, so can a, you a bourbon biscuit sandwich? Can you learn to make something that's not real and shouldn't be? <laughs> that's well, more... If that's all you've got, then I've, I've why not? learn to make it. He's got more. I feel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, whilst in America, uh, he had bacon dipped in chocolate, left to go cold, and you ate it like a curly whirly. Are you just dipping things in chocolate and leaving them to go cold? Is this the Obviously. deal? And then I like the name of this one, the Naughty Crumpet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is you grill your crumpet, you slice it in half, grill the new surfaces that you've just created, get some sticky bacon in between the crumpet slices, and you've got a naughty crumpet. That's basically just bacon in a crumpet. That does sound really good, though. <laughs> naughty crumpet. I'd eat a yeah. naughty crumpet. I-, I think that sounds more edible than a lot of the other things that have been mentioned. 
I've just noticed that you've missed one, which he calls the fancy man, which is just bacon in a croissant. <laughs> but that didn't seem very far out there. The me. fancy man. <laughs> the name is good. I'll give you that. <laughs> just walking I'm into Costa and asking for today. a fancy man. Uh, good suggestions, Al. Thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He says uh, I'm actually not as fat as you'd imagine. Good on him. Uh, Matt, were you on the podcast last week? Uh, was I? Yes, I think so. Did you talk yes, about I, small I, orange-like fruits? We did. Okay. So Cardi, Cardi was talking about his favourite of the small fruits, which I think might have been a clementine. Mm-hmm. He asked for, for more suggestions on, on good small orange fruit, um, to which we have some correspondence from Greg, who says, specifically addresses this to Cardi. I'm sorry he's not here, but we'll pass this on. Yeah. The best small orange-like fruit by a mile is the Nardacot? Never heard of it. Which is, which no. is a clementine-like variety of the mandarin. Um, I, they are. Are they the same things? I don't know what the difference is. Is is it like a variety? Because part of the conversation that we were discussing was just based on fruit, and like obviously the pink lady is the best apple. Is it is it like that? Is it a a, a gene variety mm. of the mandarin? I mean, presumably it must be. But he says mm. clementine like I don't I can't identify the difference between a clementine and a mandarin. No. Needs more research. But he says he gives us a description. They are sweet, tangy and very juicy and in season have the best hit to miss ratio of any of the small orange citrus fruits I've ever tried and those hits are much bigger hits. <laughs> there you go. Usually you get them from Sainsbury's in the taste the difference range in the winter months. I've seen some recently out of season, but they weren't as amazing as they normally are. I bet Greg's got really interesting interests. <laughs> I reckon Greg's got <laughs> like well into like woodworking and I don't know horticulture. Hor- yeah, he's definitely into horticulture. I've never. I don't even think of things being in and out of season, which might be a problem of globalization. But <laughs> I think I think that's true. Yes. Yeah. Um, good on him. Well done, Greg. I actually really want to try and nadorcot, nadorcot, whatever it's called. Uh, this is from someone whose name I have not written down. I apologise. <laughs> I might look it up. Uh, apparently you talked about swimming strokes. This isn't really about swimming strokes. It's more about not swimming at all. Your chat about favourite swimming strokes reminded me of a time I was on a date and nearly drowned. <laughs> <laughs> it was only our second date, and she suggested we go swimming at Hampstead Open Pools. which are basically- On a second date? Yeah, impressive. <laughs> which are basically big open water ponds you can go for a dive in. I'd not swam for over ten years, but I thought it must be like riding a bike. I was wrong. (laughs) You have to walk out onto a jetty and get in at the deepest point, so no easing into the water. The second I jumped in, I knew I'd made a terrible mistake and was floundering like a wet rat. Doggy paddling would be a description too generous for what I was doing, but nonetheless trying to play it off cool to impress my date. How do you play it off cool when you're drowning? (laughs) I guess you pretend that you actually are a dog? Yeah, he did inhale a lot of water and died, but he looked so cool. (laughs) I think I was asking her about her favourite sushi restaurant while I was slowly swallowing water. (laughs) (laughs) We had made it out to a tethered floating ring they had dotted about, all the while thinking to myself, how do I not die here? My life was saved, albeit not my pride, when the lifeguard blew his whistle and pointed very clearly at me among a crowd of swimmers and shouted, You! Yes, you! You're not allowed any further out! (laughs) Everyone looked at me sympathetically, including my date. At this point, I was only five metres from the jetty. We are no longer together. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to look you up because that really properly... That made me squeak with laughter. (laughs) Swimming strokes. That's in my history forever. That's from Mike. Thank you, Mike. That properly tickled me. Also, I'm, I'm super into people who take. He didn't. He heard a story about favorite swimming strokes, and he took the initiative and said, "You know what? They're gonna. I don't care about the swimming strokes. They're gonna want to hear about me drowning while I talk about <laughs> sushi." <laughs> and we did. Oh, I'm very pleased to have heard that story. Fantastic. Uh, if you've got anything... Uh, stories about you drowning, tell us those. <laughs> <laughs> IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Have either of you ever nearly drowned? Uh, uh, yes. Yes, yes. Was it, was it hilarious? Uh, well, um, I was quite young. Um, we lived near the sea uh, and I couldn't swim. Um, and I was in the water, not very 
deep mm-hmm. uh, up to my knees, but I was facing back in towards the land, and this massive wave came and hit me and knocked me off my feet and then dragged me out to sea because it was quite rough. Uh, and I couldn't uh, obviously get up or breathe or anything, and one of my friends had to run in, swim, and rescue me. Mm, it's not that funny. I'm worried about these I didn't say stories it was, now. I didn't say it was funny. <laughs> no, I was just assessing whether it was or not. Yeah, see, that one's more is slightly more terrifying than mine because mine doesn't involve sea. Mine was just a swim pool. When I would be about seven, maybe six, mm. my, I went with my parents to the Canary Islands, and I'd been swimming in the kids' section of the swim pool, which obviously is much more shallow. And I kind of got a little bit too much confidence about what I could do swimming-wise. So I got, you know, the floats that you used to have as a kid? Yeah, yep. I got one of those, went over into the big pool, and immediately lost the float. Like, the buoyancy of the <laughs> pool just knocked the float of my hands. And bizarrely, against all physical, how, how, you know, water is supposed to keep buoyant, I just went straight to the bottom of the fucking pool. And the main thing I can remember is being kicked in the face <laughs> by because obviously there were people treading water oh my I just god got kicked. that's a nightmare um and um i eventually like it felt like i was under there for so long obviously it was only i guess a matter of probably 10 seconds or so but it felt forever down there and i sort of came to the surface and my dad was just watching from the side and was like well, if you'd been under an extra 20 seconds i probably would have got in <laughs> wow <laughs> right <laughs> Your funniest stories about drowning. IGN underscore UK feedback, IGN.com. Not serious stories. They have to be funny. <laughs> they have to be funny. I, unless it's really funny, no death. Right. <laughs> That's it for this <laughs> week. <laughs> Thank you for joining the IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com podcast. And uh, we've got to play some music. What's good music that we can play? 30 seconds of what have we talked about. Is there a song about aliens for GTA? <laughs> What's the song? Play the X-Files theme tune. <laughs> yeah, let's play the X-Files theme tune. 30 seconds of the X-Files theme tune. Right. See ya. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.